1: Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Steve Ray. Welcome to another edition of Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People. And this week I'm pleased to have as my guest, Kathy Hoja of Innolytics.
2: Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. well done on the pronunciation of the last name. We've been working on that for a couple of years now. I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I might have got the pronunciation right, but I think I got the spelling wrong. But anyway, Kathy, one of the reasons why I have Kathy on the show is because she's been a significant influence on me in my wine life in, in the last five years, or my life in wine, I should say. We met, I believe, in Italy at a uh, Vin Italy event. Uh, both of us were speaking, I think, and we've kept in touch since. We've seen each other in different places around the world. You've had this incredible career where you weren't in the wine industry, then you got into the wine industry through Forbes, and now you've got this fabulous company called Analytics, which is doing some really cutting-edge stuff. So I, I, one last point about you are writing for Forbes, which has been this ongoing thing. I found you to have this very unique style of calm, simple, practical, and relevant, uh, and more particularly clear. I think you speak the same way too. So here's your opening. You know, speak clearly to us and tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the wine business. <laughs>
2: Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, Forbes really was um, the uh, the entry point in a lot of ways uh, because I write about the business and the politics of the wine industry. And to your point, I, I do write about it, try to write about it in an unorthodox way. Erica Crawford uh, from, uh, from New Zealand and South Africa described it as, I'm an issues writer. I just happen to write about the wine world and so I'm interested in things like, like labor and immigration. I'm interested in, in healthcare for vineyard workers, things like that. And so that that is sort of the, the approach that I try to take, as opposed to other writers who focus on on tasting known things like that. I appreciate that somebody could do that. It's just not my, not my way of thinking. So writing that way has been a fantastic entry point into the world of wine, literally taking me around the world. And it was as I was writing for Forbes about six years ago, uh, that the idea for Enolytics came to mind. Enolytics, uh, so the Eno, of course, is the wine, and the Lytics, of course, is the analytics. And I, I recognized, because I was writing about business and technology, and that was my that was my swim lane, so to speak. Recognized that there was an awful lot of data in the in the wine and spirits industry, uh, but maybe not as much analysis or business intelligence uh, being applied to that data, especially not for uh, not for medium or small size wineries. Uh, so that was initially sort of the, the the void that we were hoping to fill.
1: And I mean, that's extensive, not only in the US market, and it's a function not only of the size of the winery, but also the uh, availability of the data, uh, the currency of the data, and I guess the accuracy of the data as well. So tell us what Inalytics is is all about. When you started, I remember seeing a couple of I remember you presenting. A, you did a project with uh, Frescobaldi, and you were showing some heat maps. And I thought that was really interesting. And you've kind of taken a couple of orders of magnitude forward, so kind of leap forward five years. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I remember that presentation, Steve. Um, so our very first uh, data partner uh, when Analytics launched was Vivino, uh, the wine app. If you could, if it's been downloaded 60 million times, something like this, all around the world. So Vivino was incredible for for a company who was starting out in the the data space for wine. They were incredible partners in the sense that, like with Frescobaldi, for example, Frescobaldi wanted to get a read on consumer sentiment about their wine. So that is the kind of data that Vivino has in spades. And so we would would write a query according to what the client wanted, you know, Frescobaldi interested in Red wine consumption and how consumers were talking about it, literally writing taste notes, where they were physically located, because every data record that we received from Vivino had a latitude and a longitude attached to it, because it was, it's mostly a mobile device, a mobile app, and that latitude and longitude was accurate to within a hundred feet. And so that could really help us, um, communicate to Frescobaldi, to Bollinger Champagne, you know, where was Literally, where were their fish? Where were their fish that they wanted to, to catch? Where was the, the interest among the consumers uh, throughout not only the United States, but throughout the world? It's, it's fascinating. So, that was how that was sort of our first engagement. And you're right, since then, for several reasons, um, we have expanded outward. We now are two main uh, SaaS products, software as a service products, focus on DTC, um, all of the channels of DTC as well as depletion data. So those are the two products that we have right now that the company has evolved into creating and developing. And um, and that's the space that we live in at the moment.
1: DTC. There's a lot of confusion in the world. In fact, one of the presentations I made at Wine to Wine back in October was a clarification and kind of an organization of how to think about uh, what the definitions of e and DTC and third-party facilitators and all those kinds of things. When you say DTC, I I think you're principally talking about domestic wineries selling direct to consumers being delivered by common carriers. Um, And there's a wealth of information and all the stuff that you did. You just did this seminar that I thought was fascinating. We'll talk about some of those conclusions in a little bit. But for many of the people who I deal with and you deal with as well, um, who are exporting brands imported into the United States, that door is not open to them. So how does, what are the values of, uh, potential values of analytics for export brands vis-a-vis domestic?
2: Yeah. So, um, and again, to, to, to clarify, Steve, it, it, there is a lot of confusion around, around language, right? The language of, of data, uh, the language of, of DTC even. So DTC, of course, is direct to consumer. But by that, do you mean e-commerce? Is it the same thing as e-commerce? Is it something else, something different? When we use the term DTC or direct-to-consumer, we're talking about all of the channels, the online channels through which wine is sold. So specifically, um, website, tasting room, wine club, point of sale, which is typically the tasting room telemarketing sales made uh, through through phone sales, whether that's actually calling people or through text messages, which is an increasing um, opportunity for for GTC those are all of the all of those channels fall uh, from our purview under the umbrella of GTC. so so yeah so and and you're right um, I think that the the brands who are being imported, into into the United States and the, the data that we work with is in the US and also Canada and Australia. So those brands though are operating within their own countries. We're not typically looking, working with wineries or suppliers who are international uh, for ver- for various reasons that you know better than than anybody. I think that the data that we do have that is useful or can be useful for international brands trying to get sort of a read on the market is, of course, um, this uh, this 200 million data set that we, uh, Analytics, wrote, co-authored with Wine Direct just earlier and that was released uh, a couple of weeks ago in March of 2022. And this 200 million record data set includes transactions, 165 or so million transactions through any DTC channel going back the past five years so back to 2017, and involving about 26 million um, customers. So it's really transactional. It's at the big data level. It's at the level of quantitative data, quantitative analysis. And and interestingly, it offers a, a different perspective to qualitative analysis, which is a lot of how research within the wine industry has been done for a long time. And there is a lot of value to it. For the record, there's a lot of value to it. It's also sort of the other side of the coin. Is what we're trying to say is that there's qualitative and there's also quantitative data that can be analyzed and interpreted uh, for, for different value purposes.
1: So you produced a report, which I thought was brilliant. I thought the, the webinar that you did as well. If people wanted to get the report, where can they go to access that?
2: Absolutely. Um, Andrea Smalling, who is the Chief Marketing officer for WineDirect, and I co-presented um, when we released this report and thank you for watching. It was it's been very well received. If you go to winedirect.com uh, you'll be able to find uh, find the link to receive the re- to just download the report. it's It's really easy and that's the easiest way to, to do it. There are links to it of course uh, through analytics.com as well. But uh, typically it it lives um, on the WineDirect uh, website.
1: So uh, we don't have time here to go through the whole report, but uh, there were a couple of big things that popped out. And it was as you guys were speaking that it kind of became clear to me where the value is is far and above. Do I sell more Chardonnay or Cabernet Sauvignon through this to you know left-handed people with a household income of whatever? It's it's far beyond that, and it's it's much more useful. So, can you give us kind of uh, top-line conclusions of what you guys found in terms of behavior? I think that's the big news for the people listening here.
2: Yeah, the, the behavior, and really, this actually answers your previous question, Steve. The behavior of U.S. consumers, I think, is the big takeaway and a big value to, uh, to international brands, um, even when they're not, they're not available um, through any DTC channel. So for example, there are 40 different levers that we could turn on or off about this data set. So for example, we, um, we enhance the data in a couple different ways. One of the levers is, is gender. Uh, we run an algorithm based on first name, that identifies whether that person is likely to be male or female. So for example, Steve would register as male. Kathy would register as female. A name like Chris would register as androgynous or unknown. So if a brand wanted to get a read on female consumers or male consumers throughout the United States, we could turn on that lever and create that report. If a brand wanted to get a read on and on any of those other 40 dimensions that are built into the infrastructure of the report, we could do that too. So for example, if you wanted to get a read on male consumers who are Gen Z, who live in Brooklyn, and who buy red wine, that's that's valuable. It's valuable information, um, and yes, there are consumers who have bought DTC, but if I were a brand and wanting to know that, and I'm, I'm a Pinot Noir producer, for example, and maybe Brooklyn is my target market, or I have, I can, I, am for sale in Brooklyn. My wines are for sale in Brooklyn. Um, I'd want to know a lot about those demographics you know, who who are they?
1: If I can interrupt, it's more than demographics. And I think that's where the power is. You know, in, in the old world that I came from, demographics w- w- was a very blunt instrument we used to identify and um, segment and sometimes aggregate audiences, but it was not a very good predictor of future behavior. The level of granularity of the data that you, you get, the timeliness of the data, and the ability to manipulate the data to ask certain questions. So rather than getting a Nielsen report dumped in your lap, and yeah, you can do this with Nielsen too. But through this, you can ask questions that are specific to the issues related to your business. That will give you practical insights that you can then, as a export supplier, for example, share with your importer, share with your distributor to help fine tune where you go to market, how you go to market, how you price, who your target audience is, how to communicate to people, uh, what channels, and all those kinds of things. So I think it's a lot more than just. I, I, I really don't like the word demographic because people tend to think of age, household income, male, female, those kinds of things and, and they're, they're, they're not indicative at all of future activity where this kind of analytics analytics um, does give you some insights on behavior.
2: Yeah, thanks for clarifying that Steve. Um, the, the demographics are, are valuable and marketing people um, definitely kind of take the ball and run with it uh, once they once they see that information. Um, and who, who know what to do with it. But there is a lot, a lot of other information available. For example, average order value. Literally, how much, how much is, is your target demographic willing to spend for a bottle of wine that they, that they're going to buy online? Things like that. Things like,
1: well, I can see using that in, in a discussion with the importer and distributor when you're planning a U.S. market that rather than saying, I think it should be XYZ. Um, here's what's going on in that. Uh, price man.
2: absolutely, and so, and then there, what's exciting, Steve, are all the other things that can that can feed into that that piece of information. For example, if if you're a brand and you, you you've identified certain uh, certain places and that you that seem ripe or ready to uh, to be interested in your wine, then you can look at look at a map of that zip code, for example, and say who are the retailers or who are the restaurants. That are within that zip code where I know there's interest in my kind of wine. I think that that crossover, taking that crossover Steve from the GTC information that we have and applying it to, to the three-tier space or to the, the wholesaler space, um, I think that is really valuable and potentially, you know, the the game changer that we're talking about.
1: So there's two points I, I would comment on that. One is that I, I've said, hey, we're people like you are are taking the industry, dragging it, kicking and screaming into 2,000 aughts, right? I mean, this is, frankly, basic stuff in many, many, many other categories. And as consumers, the standard of excellence is Amazon and the like, and not clunky, you know, uh, homemade websites. Not I'm not trying to criticize everybody's, but I mean, it's, it's a different standard and the industry has to recognize that we are competing with consumers that are very sophisticated. That e-commerce is not something that's coming down the pike. I talked with Burkhart Nessen of Rabobank the other day. We'll be airing his thing, and you know, e-commerce is probably going to be twelve to twenty percent in the next couple of years, and probably more. In fact, he makes a point that there is going to come a point where e-commerce is going to exceed traditional retail, um, and that's not in the far distant future. So. This use of this kind of data, frankly, is not
2: an option. And so they, and part of that too, Steve, is that consumers know what's possible. They, they know what's possible in, um, Amazon. You know, we all shop Amazon in a certain one way or another, most likely. And so we know how it, how easy it could be. And so why, why wouldn't those consumers expect a similar, a similar opportunity or to be treated in a similar way or to have similar options? As, as as they do for Amazon, you know, if Amazon's doing it, you know, for better or for worse, it's set a bar. It's set a bar for for what uh, for what the wine industry and the spirits industry needs to adapt to. And I think that it's certainly possible. There's no there's no reason why why we why we couldn't. And I, I love and you know this is exactly what what we are doing. We're making that possible uh, for for wineries to access. Thank you for listening
3: to Italian Wine Podcast. from July 1st to the 31st and click the link. We thank you and back to the show.
1: So let's cut to the chase and, and talk about how can Enalytics, uh and, and, and you just gave kind of top line findings of stuff I think that you thought would be interesting to a whole lot of people. Within that, you can go and spend days digging into that data, asking questions and not necessarily going down rabbit holes, but actually pursuing uh, marketing insights, you know, the whole thing about uh, data into information, information into insight and insight into action. So how can analytics and some of the findings that you highlighted from the report benefit? Let's, let's take it in, in different order. Start with the consortia and other promotional entities that aren't necessarily promoting an individual wine or a particular sale or channel of sale.
2: Yeah. So I, I mentioned the marketer's they have, uh, we've been in touch with, uh, with marketing agencies who work with the, the consortio, different consortia around, around Italy, certainly, and around the world, who, for example, are, they want to, um, let's say a, a sparkling wine, uh, a sparkling wine brand or a sparkling wine region. There's a sparkling wine, uh, wine type within the DTC dataset that we have. And so we could carve out that slice, the sparkling wine slice of the data that could be useful to a consortium whose interest is in sparkling wine. There is, of course, um red wine at a certain price point, white wine at another price point. We could carve out those pieces of it as well. And so what we're finding is that consortia in particular and marketing agencies who service them definitely want to have a more data informed program. They want to make smart decisions, smart use of money. Um, and this level of granularity enables them and empowers them to do that in a way that, um, that hasn't really been uh, proactively sought uh, before. So I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, having owned a couple of agencies and done this, I mean, I see the potential here for the agency to add, uh, and don't call me to do this for you, please, to add, I don't do it anymore, strategic value to the services that they provide. So instead, in addition to just good creative or having a good trade media list and those kinds of things, you're communicating what's important to a specific audience with informed data, and the timeliness of it. So instead of like waiting for uh, every six months, you know, uh, presentation at WSWA or something like that, you can have this information at your fingertips and ask and answer questions. And I I think it's the kind of thing I've always found that whenever I can do that and go dig into the data and, and ask questions, it's amazing what you find when you don't know what you're looking for. It sounds kind of like a waste of time, but it's actually just the opposite. And you can see two or three disparate data points, and all of a sudden it clicks in your head saying, Oh my God, what if I did XYZ because of ABC
2: Absolutely. and so that to your point Steve about the timeliness of this um, the data will be for this data set will be refreshed every quarter so you know it's early in April and we've just received sort of q1 uh, data from WineDirect. that and so the data will be refreshed on on a, on a regular basis uh, so that information will be will be current and it will be relevant. And it will be, you know, ready, ready to be accessed. But I also think that to your point around looking and seeing three different data points, for example, it takes, it takes a knowledgeable person to recognize the pattern, right? And so I feel like that is the, that's where the creativity comes in. That's also where the experience comes in. And it's also where you, I mean, yes, we can, we can give you all kinds of insights. And then, but of course the real, the real need and the real value from there becomes what are you going to do with it and that's the value of of partners uh agencies marketing people etc
1: and that that's the big thing right there i mean agencies if you're listening to this and you want to provide value to people help them sell more wine to more people in more places for more money this is one way to do it changing course a little bit we're recording this just before vin italy which takes place in april um, you're coming to vin italy um, i think you said you're going to provine as well uh, trade shows have really kind of been a challenge. We haven't had any for a couple of years. Now everybody's getting back. We still have to wear masks there. What do you hope to accomplish at Vin Italy in particular?
2: Yeah, there's, um, well, certainly uh, the the appeal of attending Vin Italy when it's live again this year, um, it's kind of, is irresistible because it's it's one of my favorite my favorite shows to do. It's just an annual tradition. It's an annual ritual. So frankly, Steve, and maybe you're feeling this as well, I I want to be there. Want to be there? Um, I've committed to being there, and I think that there's a lot of opportunities to to just be there in person to get a read on what's going on. How are people feeling? What are what are people feeling about uh, taking the temperature, taking their temperature about the future? So I've got I've got my eyes open to a lot of different things. Certainly from my from my role with Forbes, one of the things that I've written about recently is the impact and the case study that I did really about the impact of the situation in, in Ukraine and how Italy and Verona and the Veneto specifically are replying to or responding to that, to that crisis. So that's one of the things that I've got my eye on from a business perspective, uh, from an analytics specifically perspective, definitely different um, conversations on the, you know, on the schedule uh, to talk about certainly this DTC report. Um, to talk about other things that are happening um, around data in the U.S., talking about data literacy, talking about consumer trends that we're seeing, talking about the what's the the predictive analytics that's built in um, to our work as well being able to identify things coming coming down the pipe.
1: So you've had the experience of working for a couple of Italian wineries. Can you comment on the different levels of sophistication or recognition of the potential value for farmers in Italy versus farmers in America? You know, wine producers that may be, you know, doing, they talk in bottles, you know, uh, 100,000, 50 or 100,000 bottles or 300,000. And a lot of your clients are only doing, you know, five thousand cases, so yeah. like, seventy thousand bottles, something like that. Relatively small. Compare and contrast domestic versus import.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it and it, and it's really it's really exciting because um, with the with the wineries, especially in the U.S. or in Canada or Australia, we can work with them one on one. The sort of the bandwidth of the software that I mentioned at the at the top of this conversation, Steve, that the ideal customer is is a winery. The ideal customer specifically for that for that software platform is a winery who is willing to go down the path of working with data. And um and that's incredible. And that's a that's a one-by-one, sort of one-on-one.
1: Sometimes that's a big mountain to climb, though, isn't it?
2: It is. And I and I love it, Steve, because some of our best users, our top users, are coming from places you completely would not expect. And the the differentiator is that they've committed to it. They've committed to saying like, look, I don't necessarily get data. I'm a wine person. I'm not an analyst, but I know that this is important. So I want to learn. And they are, they're the, they're my favorite people because they, I I would talk to them, you know, all day long if I could, because they, they care enough about the future of what they're doing in order so that they'll take the time to really jump in the deep end when it comes to data. And I'm, I'm going to jump in right in there with them.
1: Good. So the, the, I see hesitancy on the part of a lot of people, oh, I don't really understand e-commerce, so I'm not going to touch it all. I don't understand big data. You noted in our pre-interview to prep for this recording, you said, we're not asking people to understand how machine learning works. We need people and clients to engage in the conversation. Can you explain that?
2: Absolutely. So um, it's not that, what, I'm, I'm, I'm a wine person. I'm not a machine learning specialist. I'm not even a developer or a programmer or a coder. I'm a white person. But there is a lot of sophisticated technology going on in the background. I I don't know that either. I don't understand that either. I do understand, however, what it could do. I do understand the potential. And that's that's what I'm interested in. And I think that that's what our clients are interested in as well please don't tell me i need to un- i need to know what a triple smoothing algorithm is <laughs> no you don't but but you do you will benefit from knowing that that triple smoothing algorithm is going to forecast demand in your tasting room for the coming 6 months that's what that's what that does so our focus is on letting wineries know that their 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 benefit and their potential and their action points are in what the technology can do not how the technology needs to work well we got we'll take care of that part
1: one of the questions i get asked a lot from export well anyone export as well as domestic is how can i get more attention from my importer or distributor or retailer or salesforce or whatever it happens to be when it's a shared organization that you don't own completely another way of saying that is how can i compete with the big boys who have access to all these tools. And what I think is data is the great equalizer, that it doesn't matter how big you are, or how much money you spend, it's how well you're using the assets that you have access to. And this is a case for saying these things can are really basically can be sitting in your lap. It's up to you to decide whether or not to use them. So if you're looking, if you're a winery or an importer or a distributor, or particularly an importer, or distributor. This is an opportunity to get a disproportionate amount of time and attention from the next tier down in the three tier system and bring significant value to the the whole conversation within the three tier system. That's not just please buy more of this product or product X. It's how can we help everybody in the ecosystem do better, as I said before. You know, and make more margin. Because at the end of the day, everybody's getting uh, stressed on that. Costs are going up. You know, The cost of shipping has gone up like triple, which is amazing. I was just doing a price structure with somebody and the cost of shipping exceeded the cost of the, the actual bottle of the product. That's reality though. So it's a world that we live in. How, how are we going to deal with it? And one of the answers is data.
2: Actually, it, it's a great chance to, uh, to mention um, the earliest user of our depletion software, so the earliest user of our depletion software, and we had no, we did not know we were going to go and develop depletion software. We were really focused on DTC, really hyper focused on DTC. So
1: you have two services that you're talking about. One is DTC. The other is depletion.
2: Right, right. And and to your question, Steve, about um, uh, how do you how do you respond to either suppliers or importers or distributors? So one of the ways, and let me just sort of tell a very brief story about. Um, it was, uh, the guy's name is Jake Lustig, and there's a case study about him on the Analytics website, the Analytics 101 website. Um, you can find it. You can easily find it. But Jake literally said, okay, Enalytics, I see what you're doing in terms of DTC for wineries over here. Could you also create something for the spirits companies over here um, to deal with depletion data? And we kind of went, hmm, hadn't thought of that. But let's have a look. And it turns out that depletion data is actually a lot. There's an awful lot fewer fields in depletion data than there are in DTC data. So it turns out that, you know, the answer is yes, we could build something and, and we did. And the way that Jake uses it or the way that he sees it is as empowering. It empowers him with more information presented in a visually appealing way. So that when he walks into the conversation with the distributor, he's got, he's, he, he's got a different angle. He's got a different perspective on what's happening in his business. So I think that, and then to to take it a step further, then really smart distributors are saying, okay, so how could this software help us? How could I, how could this software help every one of my brands or every one of my suppliers? So I think that that's a really interesting thing that is you know potentially can really can really take off. As I said, most of our focus, especially these past two years, uh, going through COVID and coming out of COVID, has been on DTC, um, and we didn't we hadn't planned to do a depletion product, um, but there was there was enough demand for that as well.
1: Cool. That gives us a lot to talk about in Italy next week.
2: One last thing, one last thing I want to
1: pick your brains. One one last thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about. You've been very active with Beck Hopkins on health and wellness issues. Can you give us a, a brief summary of that?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for asking, Steve. Um, so Rebecca Hopkins, back in twenty eighteen, founded a platform called a Balanced Glass. And a Balanced Glass. The reason she did it was that nobody was talking about alcohol as as potentially damaging and harmful, um, especially to the industry um, in terms of a personal level, in terms of relationships and sort of the, the, the negative part of, of alcohol. So uh, Beck wanted to, to create a platform and a community where we could talk about it freely and with candor and openly um, about different things. And it's expanded to be definitely um, a, a wellness-oriented community when alcohol is at the center of our work. It's not that alcohol is bad, um, certainly, uh, none of us wants to say that, um, but al- there, are, there are dangers associated with it. It could be abused, And so what What we've, so Beck um, asked me to co-create the content with her for a balance class, which I've been doing since the beginning, and it's been, um, I joke, Steve, that it's outed me as a spiritual person in the wine world. <laughs> <laughs> How did you?
1: Okay, that's so it's abalancedclass.com. Exactly. Is that the site? Okay. Exactly. Okay, we've covered a lot of ground and not nearly enough from my perspective. Um, there's a lot more there. Um, but I like to ask my um, interview subjects for what's the big takeaway? And as a writer, you'll appreciate this. It was an editor of mine used to say, we do wrench stories. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, somebody could read the article and go out and fix the tractor. This was in the agricultural world. Right. So, meaning useful practical information. What's the big takeaway here from what we've talked about?
2: Yeah, I think my initial my initial thought, Steve, has always been about um, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of data. Um, it's there. It's happening. It's our reality now. Um, as I said, you don't have to know how the machine learning works, um, but you you do need to know that it's happening, and there's so much benefit. There's so much benefit from, to, to wineries, to consortio, to marketing agencies who can really ultimately service the customer better. The wine consumer can be better served through the use of data.
1: Thanks. And that's, the I think, the, the answer to why don't I get more time and attention? from my importers and distributors, because you're not bringing them something of value. All you're doing is bringing an ask. You bring something of value that gives them insight that they can apply to the, be- the rest of their business. Now, all of a sudden, you're a strategic partner. You're not just a supplier, and that's a fundamental difference. So if you wanna be a better competitor in the US market, get with the program, people. This is not, as I said, it's not an option. It's the way everybody is doing marketing in every other category, and we're you know, slowly um, getting there with wine. Um, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Kathy, um, you want to share your contact information with us and social handles?
2: Absolutely. So um, it's just Kathy with a C, C-A-T-H-Y, at enolytics, E-N-O-L-Y-T-I-C-S, dot com. Or also my, my cell number, you can easily WhatsApp me or, or text me or whatever, um, is 702-528-3717. The easiest uh, thing to do is look for us on LinkedIn. and the business page for Analytics as well as my personal page. Um, I also have a uh, the Analytics website is analytics.com and my personal website is KathyHoya.com.
1: Thank you, Kathy, for, for joining us. Always always fun to, to talk with you. It's always a challenge. And uh, I want to say thank you to our listeners and, and check back next week. We'll have another interesting conversation on Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People on the Italian Wine Podcast. Until next week, this is Steve Ray. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at International.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com.